It's Tuesday, April 16th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. The Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, one of the greatest architectural treasures in the world and a sacred site for Catholics, was engulfed by flames Monday as it was undergoing renovations. The iconic spire collapsed and more damage was done before 400 firefighters were able to put out the blaze. We will hear what it looked like from an eyewitness, and my producer Miranda joins us to talk about what religious relics were stored there. Next, an update on Operation Varsity Blues. Actress Lori Loughlin and her husband Massimo Giannulli have pled not guilty in the college bribery case. They both face a minimum of four years and nine months in prison. State and criminal defense attorney Lou Shapiro joins us for more and who are the next targets, students who might have known about their parents' activities. Finally, some results from the NASA twin study are teaching us about long-term space travel. The study focused on identical twin astronauts, Scott and Mark Kelly. Comparing their results, NASA found that there were changes to Scott's DNA, genes, body bacteria, and more. Claire Maldarelli, associate editor at Popular Science, joins us for what happens to your body when you live in space for a year. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. Notre Dame is our history, our imagination, where we've lived all our great moments. Je veux aussi avoir une pensée pour l'ensemble de Joining me now is my producer Miranda. Huge international news as a massive blaze at the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris devastated large parts of this 850-year-old church. The iconic spire that was there has fallen down. The flames have been put out, but it took 400 firefighters to bring this thing under control. The cathedral was built in the 13th century, and it's considered a feat of architecture. It's a big religious symbol for Catholics all over the world. And it's one of Paris' most popular attractions. It has about 13 million visitors a year. Miranda, what do we know about this fire? Well, the fire started after there were renovations going on to repair the spire. It was open all day there weren't any noticeable signs of renovation going on. And so there were people in there. And as the last rush of visitors were trying to go in and see all the art and the sculptures and the statues and the beautiful nature of the building itself, they were greeted with doors slammed in their faces. They were kicked out and there wasn't a big explanation why until a few minutes later they saw the flames. Yeah, it's undergoing $6.8 million in renovations. They say the fire was potentially linked to this renovation work. Even uh, one of the investigators said that prosecutors are going to be investigating this as an involuntary destruction by fire. So there is not necessarily anybody to blame for this. It's linked to this renovation work. So for some witness reaction, we're going to talk to a friend of our producer, Miranda B.J. James. He's in Paris right now for his one-year anniversary And he actually went to Notre Dame early in the day before the fire had started and returned back later after the fire had really started heating up. BJ, thanks for joining us. Tell us what you saw early in the day the first time you visited. We just went to visit. I think think a mass had ended around 10, and that's when we went to go check out the cathedral. You know, we got to tour inside a little bit. There's a lot of artwork in there from like the 1300s, a lot of stained glass. There was a choir singing in there. We took a walk around the building as well. And you could definitely see on the backside, there were some renovation being done. You know, we kind of took took note of that and took some pictures anyway. You know, we took pictures of the whole building. Was there active construction, renovation stuff happening while you were there? No, while we were there, I don't think we really noticed anything really going on. But there was scaffolding up. And I mean, 
I mean, a lot of these buildings, there's like always something going on there, yeah. you know, there's always some kind of construction it looks like, but I mean, there was definitely scaffolding around the back of the building. And, and I guess, yeah, near, near, near the spire. Then we left and did some other tour stuff. We hit the Louvre and did some other museums. But yeah, Cafe had kind of caught our eye back over by Notre Dame. We went over there to grab some food and drinks and we're sitting on the patio and we're probably, you know, a few blocks from the cathedral. All of a sudden we kind of see some smoke. It just starts to look really hazy around us. What was really strange is the smoke that was coming through was turning, it was like yellow and kind of neon green. It was like these really strange colors. And I was like, this is just strange. Some of the reports said that as the last rush of tourists were trying to get in for the day, the doors were abruptly shut without explanation. That's because the fire had started there. Uh, so you potentially were one of the last people to see the Notre Dame Cathedral in its original glory. It's going to be forever changed. Who knows how much they have to rebuild at this point. How were people taking it there? Because it's really a loss of one of the great structures in the world. Uh, I mean, it was really just shock. I mean, there were, there were some people crying and stuff, but people just started coming out of everywhere and, and, and the streets were getting really full and packed with people. We walked over, we watched it for a good hour or so. It just got so crowded and there were embers coming down that were lit. Some were probably the size of quarters landing on the street and on people. Yeah, it's so tragic to hear that on his trip right there. There's so many priceless relics in there that people try to see all the time, painting statues. One of the biggest points of damage was the roof structure that's known as the forest that's been lost completely. They call it the forest because it took a forest to build. So this framework was from the 13th century. It consists mostly of oak. It dates has beams dating as far back from the 1100s. It says that the trees were cut down between the year 1160 and 1170, and some more current parts of that frame date back as far as 1220. So this thing is so old. And some of these other ancient relics that are there, things that are having to do with uh, Jesus Christ and the crucifixion, I know one of the centerpieces was the crown. The crown of thorns is kept in the cathedral it's encased in a gold and glass cover. There's also a piece of the cross that's held in the cathedral. They believe that's what Jesus was crucified on. There's this thing called the great organ. It's the largest organ in France. It's one of the most famous in the world. That dates back to the 1400s. There's, like you said, artwork and sculptures, including statues representing the 12 apostles and four evangelicals that were removed from the site just last week that were right underneath the spire. Yeah, yeah, because of the renovation. So they actually lucked out with that. Those would be uh, lost. Removing those. So that's in part all of the, uh, the, the crazy ancient things that are there. And that's also why it's so important to Catholics throughout the world. It's, it's obviously a big tourist attraction. And while Notre Dame itself doesn't have a normal congregation, people that go there regularly, people visit it all the time for masses that they hold uh, every day. And it's Holy Week, right? Right. Now. I completely didn't even realize that, you know, Sunday was Palm Sunday. This good, Friday is Good Friday. And Good Friday is the big day. That's when they bring out the crown. That's when they bring out the piece of the cross that Jesus was crucified on. They bring all these things out for people to to observe. And so it's just a really tragic thing that happened. The French President Emmanuel Macron said that they will be, be rebuilding and they're actually going to try to raise money throughout the world for them to help rebuild. Now they say outside of St. Peter's Basilica, which is in Vatican City, there is no more iconic place for Catholics than Notre Dame. We'll keep monitoring this to see what happens, uh, what is the fate of these relics that are there, and what the overall damage really is to Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Thanks, Miranda. Thanks, Oscar.
just because the new charges have been added does not prevent Lori Lachlan from still taking that original offer that was extended to her by the prosecution. That offer that was originally extended is still on the table to my knowledge. Joining us now is Lou Shapiro, state and criminal defense attorney. He's also a former L.A. County public defender. We're going to touch back on the college admissions cheating scandal, Operation Varsity Blues. We got some new developments Actress Lori Loughlin and her husband, Massimo Giannulli, pleaded not guilty to charges against them right now. They have charges of conspiracy to commit mail and wire fraud, honest services mail and wire fraud. And then the new charge that got thrown on them was conspiracy to commit money laundering. This was after, I think, about 13 other parents had already pleaded guilty, including Felicity Huffman. A lot of people are really puzzled about why Lori Loughlin and her husband are stringing this out, why they're pleading not guilty. Tell us a little bit about this. So the confusion lies in the fact that they're not jumping at the offer right out of the text. But in truth and reality, in federal cases like this, pleas are rarely taken from the beginning in the first month or two. Generally, a case will last one to two years before one of our clients will say, okay, I think I'm ready to to plead out on this one. It's the fact that Huffman took a plea that really changed the landscape of this. Once she took her plea, then it put pressure on Laughlin to seriously consider, well, if I want to align with other people that are taking early responsibility and using that for leniency at their sentencing, maybe I need to be doing that too. And therein lies the confusion in the public right now. There's a lot of differences between the cases between Felicity Huffman and Lori Loughlin. Among them is the amount of money that they put into this. Felicity Huffman allegedly paid $15,000 to have her daughter's SAT scores uh, rigged. So her charges are a lot less. Her already pleading guilty, she faces a minimum of four months in prison. She doesn't have a criminal record, so it's likely to go kind of smoothly for her, let's say. Lori Lachlan and her husband ended up paying $500,000 to get their two daughters into USC. So the money is different there. They held out. They got the extra charge of conspiracy to commit money laundering. And now they face a minimum of four years and nine months in prison. So right off the bat, it doesn't seem like that was a good deal. Well, the issue is just because the new charges have been added does not prevent Lori Lachlan from still taking that original offer that was extended to her by the prosecution. That offer that was originally extended is still on the table to my knowledge. So the fact that new charges were added is not necessarily a game changer in the case. The fact that one paid 15000 while another paid 500000 while it does make a theoretical difference when you apply that to the federal sentencing guidelines, I think in the totality of the circumstances in this case, I don't think that's the driving factor here in the deal or sentencing. I think it's the fact that the actual conduct is at issue. In other words, the, the fact that parents use their wealth, use their influence to bribe, etc. in the scheme of things. How much they use, I don't think that's the driving factor here. And that's why I, I don't think the 500000 versus the fifteen is going to make that big of a difference in terms of their outcomes of sentencing. From what I hear in discussions going around, when federal prosecutors throw charges at somebody, they have a lot of evidence to back that up already. They're not going to just throw out a charge kind of willy-nilly. And Lori Lachlan, her husband, pleading not guilty. I'm sure there's other parents that are doing that. How are they expecting to navigate this? As a criminal defense attorney, would you advise your clients to do something like this? If the federal prosecutors have so much evidence against them, it seems like it's a hard fight. Well, that's true that the feds are very good at doing their homework. Generally, when they bring a case, it's an open and shut deal. And that's why their conviction rate is extremely high. At the same time, a client 
is entitled to make an informed decision before deciding whether they're going to plead guilty to a crime. And for Lachlan and her attorneys to want to review all the discovery and evidence to then make that decision, whether it's in their client's best interest to do this, there's really nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's the norm. And that's why, while it may seem puzzling to the public that she's not jumping at the first offer on the table, it would be quite strange for her to jump at that, in a sense. You made a great point when Felicity Huffman, because they're the two most high-profile people in this, there's obviously other very rich people connected to this whole scheme, but they're the most recognizable names. And when Felicity Huffman copped her plea deal, everybody's like, well, why isn't everybody else? You know, it kind of does change the dynamic at that point. The other thing that's been happening is that the Wall Street Journal is reporting that prosecutors are sending letters to young adults who were believed to have known about the schemes that were aimed to help them get into college. These target letters don't necessarily mean that the students or graduates will face charges, but it could be some type of squeeze tactic, maybe get some of the other parents to plead guilty. What do we know about this? Well, the word on the street is that there are a lot more names in the discovery that have yet to be thoroughly investigated and released to the public. So there appears to be an ongoing investigation. We're probably going to hear about more names and individuals that were involved or maybe flirted with the idea of it. And the prosecution and the FBI have to figure out who was really involved and who may be do about it, but didn't say anything about it, or who was someone involved, they have to decide who else is going to be caught and entangled in this web. Lou Shapiro, state and criminal defense attorney, thank you very much for joining us. You got it. I think the only big surprise was how long uh, a year is. It seemed like I'd live there forever. Uh, it seemed longer than I thought it would be. Going to Mars, if it takes, you know, two years or two and a half years, um, yeah, that's that's doable. Joining us now is Claire Maldarelli, associate editor at Popular Science. We're going to be talking about something I had been interested for a long time and kind of waiting for, the NASA twin study. This is Scott Kelly and Mark Kelly, two identical twins who are also astronauts. It's really one of those rare occasions. <laughs> but NASA wanted to study the long-term effects on the body of being in space. Scott Kelly was in space for about 340 days while his brother remained here on Earth. And then when he came back, they did a compare and contrast of all sorts of different things that they can do. Tell us a little bit about the study and then what some of the findings were. So one of the more interesting ones that they found, so they narrowed in on looking at the two brothers' telomeres. And telomeres are basically these molecules that sit at the end of our DNA segments. And their main goal is sort of to protect DNA from damage or degradation. And over time, the aging process, of course, does this. And so we see as we age, we see our telomeres decrease. But we also know that other factors like stress and environmental factors will sort of speed up this aging process. So originally, the researchers predicted that because space is this sort of stressful environment, they thought that Scott Kelly, who spent that year in space, his telomeres would deteriorate or damage more than his brother Mark. And what they found actually was the opposite, that Scott perhaps might have lengthened. And what they actually saw was this increase in activity of proteins that regulate telomere length. So that means that the body is telling itself to make our telomeres longer. And they're not entirely sure why that is. One theory that they think is, is they know that a healthy diet and a healthy exercise regimen will increase telomere production. And they know that Scott Kelly, while he was on the ISS, followed the strict diet and health exercise protocol. But then at the same time, 
I think that just being in space itself as this like drastic shift in environmental changes kind of triggered the body to produce new cells. And those new cells would have longer telomeres, which would account for that increase in, in protein count. On that front, what's the effect of that on the body, though? The lengthening of the telomeres, does, does that mean you mm-hmm. age a little slower or the body? We just know that the body can withstand longer periods in space. What's the effect of on the body from that? It's basically preventing the aging process. It's, it's like you said, aging slower. And so researchers thought originally that your body would age quicker in space because it's this sort of stressful environment. And what they found was that maybe this isn't true, that maybe our bodies can withstand space for longer periods wow. of time than we thought. He had some uh, changes to his genes. Uh, a lot of this, they think it was because exposure to radiation were not under the safety of uh, the umbrella of the earth. Right. <laughs> some of the radiation caused changes to his genes as well. This is another one that they're not sure about that they have to sort of study longer. But what they saw was different changes in our DNA. And gene changes are basically permanent alterations in our DNA. And so the ones that they saw, they were extremely more prominent in Scott Kelly versus his brother, Mark. And what they think is that increased radiation exposure because space has so much more radiation than Earth that that accounts for these changes. So what does that mean? They have to sort of follow those changes over time and see if they account for anything. So we know that changes like that can over time cause cancer or can over time cause other forms of disease. And so understanding which ones we're looking for now by comparing which ones were changed in Scott versus which ones were changed in Mark, we can sort of follow those changes and see if they do lead to any diseases that could be accounted for from his time in space. The last big change that they noticed had to do with the bacteria in Scott's body. This influences a lot of stuff, our digestion, our metabolism, Mm -hmm. a role in our immune and bone and muscle systems. So this one is a pretty important one. What happened there? People often overlook the microbiome or scientists have for a long time, but recently there's just been this like surge in research and understanding of the effects that the microbiome, which is our gut bacteria, as well as the bacteria that live on our skin, affect our health. And so what they found was, was that there was a dramatic shift from when he went to space and then from when he, when Scott was on earth and went to space and also a change compared to his brother, Mark, who stayed on earth. But what they found was that those changes came right back to normal when he returned to earth. So he, he didn't experience any dramatic loss of bacterial diversity, which researchers think is crucial to a healthy microbiome during that process. And so that is kind of a positive affirmation that maybe the body can withstand, especially the microbiome at least, can withstand these long-term space travel and can find its way back to normal when it reaches a, a more normal environment. The early research, as we've been talking, suggests that, yeah, we can do this. We can spend a lot more time in space. I know NASA is already planning to carry out another year-long study, and I think Scott Kelly was one of the first people to be the guinea pig all over again. So he might have another long-term stay in space. So we'll see how all this stuff develops. Claire Maldarelli, Associate (laughs) Editor at Popular Science. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.